Thank you for singing with me. You can be seated this morning. <coughs> so I have, I do have a special. <coughs> Sorry, Dean. The uh, bulletin got updated yesterday. So uh, this one isn't on the board, but if you want to sing it with me, you can. I'm sure some of you know the words. <coughs> Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me on. special honor of uh, introducing our speaker for today. His uh, name is Gabe Hillison. He's from Pawpaw, Illinois. So he's had quite a long journey to come out here. He came out uh, last evening and uh, it's been a joy over the last, oh, what's it been, Gabe, last year maybe now. I've gotten a chance to get to know you and uh, he's a, a young uh, missionary with, with uh, RHMA and uh, he's kind of looking around now for a place to to put his roots down a little bit. And but uh, we're have the pleasure today to have him as a speaker. Thank you, Gabe. It's 
all right with, with all of you. I wouldn't mind just preaching from the floor here. But, well, it's good to be with you all this morning here at Calvary. Uh, will you please, well, actually, I like doing this. Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to be in verses 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And as you turn, I would like to offer a, a brief blessing over the, the preaching of the word. Father, I just want to offer myself as an empty vessel for you today, uh, that you uh, would preach and teach your, your church uh, through the proclamation of your word, that your Holy Spirit would be blessing these people this morning uh, to hear from you and to learn from you yourself. Um, and uh, I just pray that you would use uh, the simple words of, of mine to, to, uh, to bless these people. And so I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. So this is one of the analogies in the scripture that I just don't really identify with. I do not run, period. <laughs> now, now I will say, if my brothers push all the right buttons, and then I will definitely run, cause, and he knows to run too at that point. <laughs> but overall, racing was not my thing. Cross country was not my thing at all. I'm allergic to running. I hate it. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll get into it just to learn to be healthier and to start getting that cardio health. But today is not this day. But what, what is Paul trying to get to here? Well, to, to really understand the heart of this passage, and believe me, it has been interpreted wrong, we need to understand what's surrounding it. What is the context for this passage? Well, for the last chapter, Paul has been talking about uh, well, and even beyond, in the last two chapters, Paul has been hitting a, one theme over and over and over again. In chapter 8, he talks about how, we, how if you know, something is causing a brother to stumble, when we, do not, we surrender that right. We choose to step back and honor the person who has the weaker conscience so that they are not made to stumble in their conscience. Then in chapter 9, he says something similar, like, you know, every pastor, every apostle has the right to gain uh, a living from his preaching of the word, but he chose not to. Be, Paul chose not to because uh, in the Gre Greco-Roman world, there was a lot of, mm, we'll be nice and call them false teachers. 
who would charge money for basically utter nonsense that they would spout. And so in order to distance himself from that, Paul would preach the gospel free of charge. But he says again, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right to, to gain a living from sharing the gospel, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. A little bit later, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. And then even into chapter 10, he, he continues with this theme. All things are lawful, but not all are helpful. All things are lawful, but not, but not everything builds up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. That's down there in, in 10.23. So, surrounding this passage, there has been this consistent theme of surrendering our rights for the good of other people. And so, as we, we, we have that theme in mind, this passage starts to make sense. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? This race that we are all in, brothers and sisters, is a race against time. Apparently, you know, with all these warnings out there, pretty much every folding chair you get will cause cancer, if you're in California. <laughs> if you're in California. But, last time I checked, 100% of people who breathe air and drink water will die. And we are in a race against time because as easy as it is to forget, I don't know, maybe it's just me, as easy as it is to forget that all people die, that is, the, that is what we are living with. We are living with a terminal condition. And we are living with this condition. Thankfully, there, many of us have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we, we have the... Uh, this blessed assurance that if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, if you have asked Him to save you, to be your Lord and Savior, to, to help you to repent from your sins, and, by, and meaning not just say, I'm sorry, but to actually stop doing them, we have this assurance that we have new life and life forever with Jesus. But not everyone has that promise because not everyone has given their life to Jesus. Jesus, you know, it's Christianity is an exclusive club. Not that only certain people, anyone can join. Anybody can follow Jesus. But you actually have to join. You actually have to follow him in order to receive eternal life. And so now Paul reminds us that as believers who have the truth, we have the message of life. We have the good news about Jesus. Freedom from our sin. Freedom from damnation. If I can use the strongest word possible, because that's what's going on here. We have this message of, of salvation. And we have an obligation to share it with the world. There's a, a famous, there are, there's a famous uh, magic show out there um, called Penn and Teller. Penn, uh, now, Penn, as one of the magicians, is a very staunch atheist. And one day after 
I'm sorry if you've already heard this story, but it's so good I have to, I have to use it anyways. Uh, one day after his magic show, somebody walked up to Penn and offered him a Bible and, and shared the gospel with him. And, and Penn actually shared about that experience online and how it was a rather pleasant experience. And people were mocking the guy for it. And Penn told him, knock it off. If you have the, the key to knowing eternal life, how much do you have to hate somebody to not share it with other people? And if an atheist recognizes this, an atheist for crying out loud, how much more so us in the family of God who've been called to participate in the family business? We have an obligation to run and to run well, brothers and sisters. We, we have... Now... Everybody has a different place in doing this. Uh, not everyone's going to get up here and do the same thing that Peter and I do. Uh, and not many should, because Peter and I are going to be held to a, very, are going to be held to a higher standard of accountability as according to how we teach and lead our flocks. But every one of us has a place in sharing the gospel. Every one of us have people that the Lord has placed in our lives who we can tell about Jesus. Who we can, you know, and even if you're not at the place where you are comfortable sharing the gospel, you know, everybody can be taught how to share the gospel. And even if you are too scared, you can always bring people to church. You know, there, there are ways to, to be a witness to people's lives. Um, my personal preference when it comes to sharing the gospel is a relational approach. I don't share the gospel with the random people on the street. I don't think that's, I mean, that's just not me. There are some people out there that they do that, and they have uh, great success in doing that, but that's just not me. When I was working in the warehouse uh, for Target, you know, I would just get to know people. I would build trust, build relationships, and if it, believe me, when you have a when you have a bachelor's degree in pastoral ministry, eventually it comes up. Um, uh, you know, so it, was, it just comes up. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, as you do life with people, as, as you build relationships and you gain their trust, there will be times when you can speak truth into people's lives and speak to them about the Savior. And this is the race. Um, so, what is Paul telling us today? Run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, and they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. What does that mean? I think that even though we don't have a whole lot of details about what rewards in heaven are going to be like, I think what we have seen over and over again, repeated throughout Scripture, is that there are rewards for following Christ. There are rewards for doing His work. So when, when Paul talks about receiving an, an imperishable wreath, you know, the race itself, when run well, you know, it, there's some things we want to lean into the analogy, and some things we need to recognize it's just, just an analogy. Uh, and in this analogy, if, you know, uh, 
the wreath itself is it, it just this recognition that there are, you know, um, rewards in heaven. We t- when you look into Revelation, Jesus talks about he who conquers, I will give a stone with their name on it. White robes, they will walk with me in the, in the um, paradise that there will be um, uh, just different things. Crowns that we cast before the feet of Jesus. Uh, you know, these images are given to us for a reason. They could be symbolic. They could very well be symbolic. I'm not going to tell you that this is exactly what we're going to get. But I think that the pattern throughout Scripture, and especially in Philippians, when Paul says that for you who support me in ministry, you are also participating in the rewards that I receive. You know, the pattern throughout Scripture is, yes, there are rewards for, for faithful service in heaven. Um, but we have to run well. Did you notice that in, the, in that first verse, in 24, it says that there are a lot of people who run this race, but only one wins. We, you know, if, if, as we look around our country, there's a lot of churches, especially here in the Midwest, Nebraska, Illinois, Iowa. There's not a town around that doesn't have a church. But so very few are healthy. So very few are sharing the gospel. So very few have a mind on outreach. So that, that's why when I look at a town, I usually have, have three things that I look at, that ch- at the town's church to see, okay, are they effective witnesses for the gospel? Do they have a commitment to the scriptures, to teach the scriptures and the high authority? Are they committed to, uh, do they have a gospel that influences and saturates everything they do from the point of salvation to throughout a Christian's whole life? And third, do they have a commitment to reach their community for Jesus Christ? And when a church fails in any one of those three, uh, any one of those three, they're in danger of becoming ineffective. So when it says to run and to run well because not everyone's going to win, we have to recognize there's a lot of churches out there that aren't running well. And we're not necessarily competing against them. It, you know, we don't have to think of it in that way. But as we're all trying to run together um, in this race to save the lost, to, to present the gospel to as many as possible before they, before they die and are, and are left to um, receive you know, the, their, their day with the Lord where they are going to be judged by, did you know, did you follow me or not? We need to run hard so that they have that opportunity, so that they know the truth, so that uh, they can have that chance to know the Lord in His goodness, in His love, in His graciousness. So we need to run well, and, and if we do run well, we do have the assurance of uh, imperishable reward in verse 25. So next, verse 26, I do not run aimlessly, and I do not box as one beating the air. Have you ever seen spoofs of boxing where you have the boxer who's just so 
painfully, obviously out of his league. And he's just kind of using up all this energy, bouncing back and forth, swinging his fists, not doing anything in particularly helpful, just making a bit of a fool of himself. Uh, same thing in martial arts. I know a little bit more about that. My, my master uh, told me, you know, there's a lot of people out there who do some very unnecessary things, and all they end up doing is just telegraphing what they're about to do so the other person can counter the attack. Uh, you know, I think there are some things that churches do that are just unnecessary, you know, that the, the just waste time, money, and resources. And I am not going to tell you what those are. That is between you and Peter. Uh, that's not my place to step in and tell you how to do this. But my desire here today is not to tell you about the application of this for yourself. I don't know you that well. I don't know you well enough to tell you the application for this. But I want to paint for you a vision of a heart that we are to have as a church, as the people of God nationwide. And that's we should be trying to trim down anything that's unnecessary. Uh, anything that, uh, as we've seen, is, is uh, kind of getting in the way. Um, whether it's uh, church culture that we do because we've always done, or uh, it's traditions that, you know, unbelievers are kind of spooked by or just don't get. Um, we, we need to be thinking about, okay, how is my life demonstrating Jesus to somebody else? Uh, is my, you know, and how are we as a church demonstrating Jesus to the world? And that plays into the last point. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. It is going to take discipline. It's going to take intentionality on our part to think through how do we as, as a church and we as individuals live in a way that is driven to share the gospel with people. How are you going to live in a way that is purposeful in trying to share the gospel with others? To be intentional in the ways that we act, in the ways that we interact, interact in our community. So not just our character, our behaviors, but how are we spending our time? How do we spend our time? How do we interact in our communities? These are the sort of things that we ought to be thinking about. Uh, not just as a church, but also as individuals. A church isn't a building, it's just a bunch of people that gather together. And so uh, your impact as a church reaches into the community far more by how we as individuals conduct ourselves and choose to be involved than um, how the church officially does things in the community. Um, and I guess I would be a little remiss. I don't particularly want to, but I think this is something we do have to recognize is that little unfortunate word there, disqualified. That we want to keep, keep, discipline our bodies, keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul said, wanted to uh, bring this t up to us that we ought to run uh, and to run well and to discipline ourselves because if we don't, there is a sense of disqualification. We, and he does not go into what 
Well, he does. He does in chapter 10, but my guess is Peter's going to do that when he gets back. Um, the disqualification here, first of all, I want to say this is not salvation. If we do not run well in sharing the gospel, that is not a disqualification from salvation. We cannot lose our salvation in that sense. But others might. Might lose the chance at it. Um, I, I think that we need, you know, we can be very comforted by the fact that God will work with or without us. And so in that sense, he will make sure to call all of those who are his. Um, so I'm going to have to back that statement that I said back a little bit. I apologize for that. But. So God will make sure to get all of those who are his, but he's called us to help him. And that's an obedience issue, and that's a joy issue. Obedience in that uh, to be faithful to him, to, uh, we, want to, to, we want to be faithful in, in sharing the gospel and living in a way so that we can. And that's a joy issue because as we follow him in obedience, we just get to see an amazing glimpse of our Lord at work. We get to see peace and joy. There are some things you don't understand about him until you just start following him in faith. And, and striving to be on mission with him is one, of the, is one of those things. There are just some things that on a human level, that I didn't understand about my dad until I started working with him on the farm. There was just sides of him that I didn't get to see. You know, the, the reason, you know, so there were some times that he would interact with us as a family, and I just didn't quite understand why it was that way until I started working with him on the farm. And I think that's the same way with the Lord that there are some aspects of our relationship with him that just don't make sense until we start following him in faith and start participating in the mission. Uh, and once we start valuing the mission above all else, and by the mission, again, sharing the gospel with Neely, sharing the gospel with the communities around us, sharing the gospel in that Bible study in the town down the road, until we get our, make that mission our priority of reaching the town and the surrounding communities with the gospel, some things just don't make sense. Um, if, we, if we choose to follow him in that, there's reward. And if we don't, we aren't. We aren't rewarded. Just like in the parable of the talents. There is a sense of loss for the servant who just took his coin and buried it and gave it back. The talents that we have all been given as, as people, as individuals, we can choose to use for the Lord and His work, or we can choose to bury them inside, hide them, just try and get through this life, just try and get through it, and then someday appear before the Lord and he's going to ask you how did you well no he's not going to ask you because he knew and he's going to he's going to stand in front of you and look at you with the most tender kind eyes there's not going to be any judgment or any anger there because all of our sin has been taken by Christ 
but within us there will be that sense of regret. That immense regret that we didn't participate because we will see Him as He is and all of a sudden it's going to make sense. The urgency that Paul has in this passage, the, 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 the commands over and over again, share what you know, share the gospel, and it will make sense because we will see Him in His holiness. We will understand why He is just and why He has to have punishment for sin. And we will think, oh no. Why didn't I help? And there will be a lack of reward because we didn't. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that, you know. Um, and I'm not saying these things to bring down shame on, on people because this is a process of figuring this out. I refused to share the gospel when I was in high school. I, I just, I, I didn't like it. I always felt... Um, scared. I always felt uncomfortable there was in trying to share the gospel with people. And it was something that I actually had to ask the Lord, please help me with this because I think this is something you want us to do. And what I found out is if you know what God wants you to do and you ask him to help you get there, he's pretty faithful in helping us get there. So don't take this as me being judgmental. I'm just trying to share what I see here in the Bible. And I want to to offer a word of hope for those who are terrified by the idea of of trying to be, uh, you know, a witness to those around them. That, um, first of all, our only objective is to be faithful in trying to be a witness if we aren't 100% accurate, if we don't have exactly the right words, that's totally fine. To quote C.S. Lewis, if the desire to walk is there, our Father is pleased even with our stumbles. It's like watching a brand new baby trying to learn to walk. There's an immense sense of delight there. That as we try, we're trying to follow Him, He's okay, He is delighted even when we kind of mess it up. And He is able to work through us, and He is able to work in spite of us. That's a beautiful distinction there. That He is able to work through us, and even able to work in spite of us. So if this is something that you're feeling uh, touched by the Spirit about, that He's tapping you on the shoulder saying, Hey, I've placed this person in your life, I want you to share the gospel. Don't be afraid. Jesus told his disciples, when you appear before kings and magistrates and governors, do not be afraid of what to say. For the Holy Spirit in that hour will tell you what to say. And I can tell you as a pastor, 90% of the time, I don't think my sermons are terribly clever. I don't. 90% of the time when I'm up on stage... I, I walked down afterwards and I thought, huh, that could have gone way better. <laughs> but that's not, ter- that's not the point. The point is to 
try to be faithful to the witness that we have received. The point is to open our mouths and let the Holy Spirit flow through and talk through the absolute nonsense that comes out, through the stumbles, through the, you know, through all the conversations where you feel like the other person stumped you, you know, just to be there and to be that witness for Jesus Christ. And the idea is to run with all of our might. Even as if we keep stumbling, getting tripped up, just pick yourself up and keep running. Because we don't have that long. We don't have that long to go. So, I guess that's the choice that is presented before us in the Scripture today. We can either run and accept the mission that the Lord has given us with all our heart and receive the reward in heaven, or we can sit back, try and ride this out, and have to live with that regret and loss of reward. I know what I'm going to do. What about you guys? Let's close in word of prayer. Um, you know, Lord, it never surprises me what you're willing to do through people who are just willing to serve. No matter how many times I put my foot in my mouth, no matter how many times I get stumped by my atheist friends, uh, no matter how many times I feel like I, I'll look back and I say, I have no idea what I just said. Um, your, willing, your, your willingness to take that work and that sacrifice and to use it for your glory never fails to, to amaze me and to just delight me. Lord, we thank you that at the end of the day, it's not on us to be so precise or so right or to have all the right words. It's just on us to be faithful with the run that we have been given, with the race that we have been given. Thank you for that because goodness knows we mess it up. Um, I'm most of all. But thank you nonetheless. Lord, we pray um, that just that you would be using this sermon to talk to the people here in, in this church. Uh, you know, and if there's anything that I've said that has been vain or just uh, unhelpful, Lord, I totally trust you to give people that assurance. Um, and I also totally trust you, Lord, to, to be living and moving and building this within your people through the Holy Spirit, that you would begin opening people's eyes to the people that have been placed in their life who you have desired for them to share the gospel with, to have a witness to, uh, to invite to church. Whatever it may be, Lord, I, I just ask for Neely as a town that you would begin moving and working the ground that the seed can be planted and that it would bear fruitful, uh, a fruitful crop. We pray this in your name. Amen.